Welcome to episode number 52. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. So today we're talking about New Year's resolutions, what went well in 2015, what really sucked, and what we're looking forward to accomplishing in 2016. And we decided to bring on our boss boyfriends, Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook, to chat with us about this topic. Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. So like I said, in this episode, we're talking about New Year's resolutions, and one of the things that is a great thing to make a resolution about is money. I know it can be really uncomfortable to make projections or money goals, but I have found the more specific I get about how much money I want to make, the easier it is to achieve those goals. So right now, I want you guys to take out a blank checkbook and write yourself a check for how much you want to make in 2016. And I want you guys to consider using FreshBooks to track that income. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs, especially those of us who are not really super into tracking our money. They make it so easy for you. They are there to help you run your business and make you look like a pro while doing it. You can track your income and expenses. It is robust enough that you can really dig in, but also simple enough that it is just easy to use. Try FreshBooks for free today. Go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and select being boss in the how did you hear about us section. First off, this is our 52nd episode. Yeah! Which means Woo! we've been podcasting a whole year. Yeah! Hey, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It's our first boss foursome. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah. Throwing that out there. Mm. I'm just glad that Paul and I don't have to compete with each other anymore, and now we just come on as one unit. I mean, it's like the the two boys holding hands emoji. I feel like I feel like that happens. <laughs> and Kathleen and I are the two girls dancing. Yeah, yes. that's yes. totally what it is. Love it. Glad you're here. Um. So let's jump in. I wanted to talk about New Year's resolutions, and of course. You guys came to mind because you're such goal setters. It's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Which was totally one of the reasons why I told Kathleen we need to do this. Because it would be funny making you guys set goals. Paul, I want to know what Paul's goals are because I don't even know. Well, first off, I want to know, do you guys even do New Year's resolutions? Do you believe in that? No. I don't know. So I'll even take it one step further and I don't even celebrate the holidays. So all of the stuff that happens in like December and January, I just kind of opt out of. You are such a rebel. Is that for like <laughs> um, religious reasons, or you're just anti? No. Or are you just an I asshole? Mean, are you- <laughs> I, exactly. I've, I'm the religion of dickheadery, <laughs> and I, I am the like high priest. Are you of, just of a that. fun hater? <laughs> yes. Fun is the worst. <laughs> totally overrated. Um. <clears throat> So, okay, so you don't even do New Year's. You don't 
set goals. Why did we get you on this? Because <laughs> I'm so pretty. Gotcha. Oh, yes, that. <laughs> so, but did you set any for, for podcast recording purposes? What, what are you going to be like? focusing on what moods are you chasing after what fun do you hate the most this year (laughs) wow 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 yeah so are we going to be serious are we going to have friends after this (laughs) um yeah we'll each have three i'm looking at you (laughs) all right yeah so serious Yeah. So for me, it's more um, like a direction because I don't really care about goals in terms of specifics. I just care that whatever it is that I'm doing kind of resonates with what like my values are or what I think I want to be doing. So I don't like launch, say, a course and be like, okay, it needs to make $100,000 in six months. It's more like I want to make a course that I believe in, that I think is cool, that my audience is telling me that they want, and obviously it needs to do well enough to sustain me and the the lavish, crazy rat life that I've created for myself, which actually isn't very lavish. But So it's more um, a direction for me because I feel like goals can be limiting in a weird way. Like, for example... A couple years ago, I didn't think that my goal was ever going to be to write a book, and then I wrote a bunch of books, and then I didn't think that my goals were going to be to start making products, and now that's pretty much my entire life. So I kind of just keep my options open, and I just kind of do the things that I want to do that even if they don't do well, I'm still going to be stoked that I did them in the first place. And then if they work out well, that's great. If they don't, then i got 50 other things that I can be working on. I like that. I'm curious, are you going to take on any client work in 2016, or are you not shutting yourself off to that either? Yeah, I'm not shutting myself off to that, but right now I make more money doing products than I do with clients. So I have a couple clients that I just, I could never let go of. Like, I just like them so much. Like, working with Alexander Franzen. Like, if she needs something on her website, I just, she's awesome. Like, and I like working with her and the collaboration that we have. So there's a handful of clients, probably less than 10, that I would never want to stop being their like web person for. But I'm not actively looking for projects. I haven't put any in my calendar. Everybody else I've told I'm not really taking them on and I send them elsewhere kind of thing. If anybody wants to send me hate mail, you can do that because I was the one who told Paul, hey, man. You should make some products. You're pretty awesome. And he was like, okay, I'll try that. And then busts out a $300,000 selling course that just has killed it. So you're welcome, world. (laughs) All right. What about you, Jason? Do you – and, you know, I feel like I didn't even, like, clarify who you guys are because I just assumed that everyone already knows. But um, if you don't know Paul Jarvis and Jason Zook, you should – go to their online spaces. They are both geniuses whenever it comes to online marketing and selling and creating and just their general creative badasses. We'll include links to all their stuff in our show notes, but you can also listen to their podcast, Invisible Office Hours. Um, But yeah, if you've been listening to Being Boss for any amount of time, you've heard them both on our show. So, all right, let's keep going. Jason, uh, do you do New Year's resolutions? Do you believe in them? Yeah, I so I used to be a resolutioner. 
I used to start off every year with some bold thing that I would do. I was going to lose weight or I was going to stop drinking this or that or whatever. And I quickly realized that without making a lifestyle change, no one ever sticks to any of those things. And so two years ago, I decided that I wouldn't focus on resolutions. I would focus on reinvention. And so I wrote a post like this year, focus on reinvention, not resolutions. And so for 2014, I kind of framed the entire year under the idea that I would do more writing because I wanted to, because I had told the world I was going to write a book a couple months before that. And I'd created a a project for that called Sponsor My Book. And then I just really wanted to be consistently writing to see what came of that. Because I'd watched other people do it, Paul Jarvis being one of them. And I just was really introduced to this idea of I have a unique perspective with all the experiences I've had. Why don't I share those on a consistent basis and see what comes of that? And so framing the year of 2014 as the year of writing was really interesting in what came out of that and the projects and everything else. And so when 2015 started, I said, okay, let's do this again. But this this year I knew I was going to do a bunch of different projects and I framed it as the year of experimentation. So I kind of have just for the past two years, so it's not like I have 20 years of data to go off of, but I've just picked a, a word that I've just said, this is the word. This is what I want to do. And so, you know, last year I did 22 different projects and I actually counted. I did some homework before being on this podcast. I'm so, I know, I'm so prepared. Uh, but 22 different projects that all made me some sort of revenue. So I probably did more than that and they weren't on this like income report that I did for myself. Truthfully, my girlfriend made it. I'm very bad at those types of organizational things. Um, but I like framing the years as something that I can always, just like Paul said, have a value that I can kind of go back on. I love that. I do that too. So a couple years ago, I started doing the exact same thing. And um, 2015 for me was the was the year of growth. And I actually have an Evernote that I opened it up because I couldn't remember what it was. And it says 2015, the year of motherfucking growth. <laughs> because I really wasn't playing around. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I think that uh, I think that phrasing it that way is really huge because I'm the same way whenever it comes to resolutions. Like I've never been a resolution kind of person. Like I love goals and I will set goals all day long, but um, but I hate the idea of like the clock turning to January first and all of a sudden you decide you're going to change four big things in your life. Um, so a little less on that road, but totally on it for for thinking of like a general like path or mantra or whatever for the entire year that will guide just sort of whatever things you want to pick up and do. So what's your, what do you think that your mantra or word is going to be for 2016, Emily? I don't know. I don't know. I need to figure mine out too. Growth has actually, has definitely happened hugely. Um, but but has areas. motherfucking growth happened? Uh, yes, it has certainly been question. motherfucking growth. Okay, good. Like life and business have have grown hugely. Um, and I don't know what I hadn't really even thought about what it would be for this year. Um, I'd kind of forgotten that that was a thing that I do until <laughs> until Jason said it. I apparently didn't do as much homework as you did. Um, but um, but I don't know. Maybe that's something that I figure out here today as well. I'm a resolutioner for sure. I love that the clock changes and boom, I'm a new person. I love it. Um, this does not so surprise me at all. I'm definitely a resolutioner and I, I tend to do actually resolutions right on New Year's and then around my birthday, which is in May. So I have time between January and May to kind of reevaluate what's working about my resolutions and what's not working. But I, you know, and, and sometimes 
I will have arbitrary days where I'm like, you know what? Today is a new day. I'm a new person. So (laughs) I'm all about it. But I've actually, I would say in 2015, I was incredibly inspired by Jason and Paul. And so you guys, I've actually really informed my 2016 resolutions. But first, I'm going to tell you guys what I like about you. So what I like about you guys is that you are incredibly creative without drama, or at least I'm not seeing it. I mean, I feel like there's, and I don't know if it's I feel like there's some Paul drama behind the scenes. I'm not going to (laughs) play. Tons. I know. Jason just yells at me and then I, I cry. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, okay, how, like, do you guys ever cry about, do you ever feel like anguish over your jobs or your creativity or any of that? Yeah, I wanted to quit what I do like a hundred times this year. You did? Yeah. Ah, well, it's good to hear that. My perception of you is that like you guys are just hammering away and no big deal and then making bank. <laughs> I think for me, it's interesting because I do so many things that I don't put pressure on myself for any of them to be incredibly great or, you know, like nothing that I do hinges on just one thing working. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting for me to look at like the 22 different things I did making money. I'm like, well, all of these added up to my income for the year. It's not just one was like, I mean, Buy My Future was the biggest one, obviously, but, but even still like the years, a couple of years before that, it's, I've always been focusing on one thing and there's so much pressure and stress in that. And so I like having multiple things going. It really does take a lot of the pressure off of that. And and it's actually really nice to have somebody else who you're doing this stuff with. I know you guys can relate to this. Paul and I totally relate to this often is that you get someone else who you can relate to, who you can talk to. And, you know, we've, we've found our, our boss boyfriends and girlfriends, which is cool. And I think that people listening to this, you may not find them right away, but the more people that you can see who you align with, especially values wise, that can then direct some, some business opportunities and things as well, where, okay, now you can make some money doing it. And I think that's also what impulses me about you guys is that you do, you are really intentional about what you say yes to and what you say no to based on your values. And you, you don't seem to forget what those values are. So I guess ultimately, um, that really informed my resolution, which is, I wrote it down, my 2016 goal is to create without attachment to the outcome. So I, I know that this is definitely something that, um, Paul, I've heard you talk about a lot, is just really enjoying the process more than the desired outcome. But then I still feel like the money follows you guys, and it and it has followed us. Like So <clears throat> I also wanted to talk about what really went well in 2015 because I think that this is all a lot related um so what went really well for me and for Emily is being boss and it was a project that was born out of just us wanting to have fun and it practically became a full-time gig and we we made some money on it so it's it's also turned into a business we had to file an LLC together we're having to hire a lawyer, you know, so that sort of thing. It's becoming a real, we opened a bank account. <laughs> so it's a real deal. And um, I want to, here's my challenge. So I want to continue working on being boss throughout 2016, but I'm scared because we created it without attachment to the outcome. But now I want to get more intentional about the business growth behind it. I don't want to kill the spirit that it was conceived under. Does that make sense? 
It totally does because now there's like now you got skin in the game <laughs> with this. Now there's pressure. So now it becomes yeah, now there's added pressure and it's interesting how there's like I've I've noticed this too. It's like when you haven't done any when you have, haven't done something that's done really really well and there's pressure to make something that does well. And then when you make something that does well, it's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> like that second thing is almost more difficult. It's like if you write a book that blows up or build a course that blows up and then the next thing is like was I a one-hit wonder or one-trick pony? Or am I going to continue to see similar things? I mean, I've noticed that too. Like, I've launched things that have done super, super well. I've launched things that have just been like, wah, wah, wah. And I just, same with Jason. Like, I think we've, I, I just like to have more than one thing going for me. And that's how my brain kind of handles it. Is if, okay, if there's one thing, because I launched some things that did shitty last year. But I had other things that were doing well. So for me, it was like, uh, that thing did shitty. I'm going to figure out, to the best of my knowledge, why that didn't do well. Move forward, maybe just kill it completely, because I, I do that. And then, but I also have these other things. So I think it's hard. And you guys do as well. Like, you guys obviously have this podcast, and it does really well. But you both have your other businesses. And you're both doing different things and launching products and services and all of that. So I think it's almost like um, insulation, so when you're doing multiple things, you're you're more insulated. It's like if you're an investor, it's like diversifying your investment strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing for me too is that if you look at Being Boss for you awesome ladies is that Being Boss didn't exist for you a while ago, right? And so your next opportunity is not going to be your last opportunity. And so for me, that's the piece of perspective that I look at with every project. Anything that I do, I'm like, well, I'm going to have another idea. Because when I was just the I wear your shirt guy six years ago, I thought that was the only big idea I would ever have. And then when that project, you know, when I had the Buy My Last Lane project that kind of came during that, I was like, oh, hmm, now I have, like Paul said, I have a second idea. You know, this is interesting. And it didn't make, like, a ridiculous amount of money. It, it actually made a very small fraction of the amount of money that I wear your shirt made. But it gave me the, like, permission for myself to say, I'm going to have more ideas. I don't have to put so much pressure on myself for every idea that I come up with. And I also don't have to try and like overly maximize and squeeze every dollar out of every project because I'm going to have more projects. So the process, right, is what you're getting back to is enjoy the process, you know, have fun with it and, and really see where it takes you because you're probably going to come up with a couple more being bosses over the next couple of years, but you're going to have a couple crappy projects that don't do anything. They're you learn actually more from those than you do from the successful ones because that's where you learn stuff is when you mess up, when you have mistakes, when you have failures. I agree. And like, I, I just want to like pull this out and draw the parallel with every creative listening to this right now <laughs> where, you know, we all find that one client or have that one blog post or, you know, whatever it is that is that like first thing or second theater thing or third thing that like does really well and if you start getting stressed about what comes next let it go <laughs> basically because it's it's that was not your your first and only good idea there will be more and it's all about moving forward i know that um you know being boss for kathleen and i has been has been such a big a big thing and that sounds so lame but it is um and it's something we talk about constantly and this 
every conversation we have with each other, it's around, you know, how much, how much are we going to be putting into this coming up and, and how diversified do we want to diversify what we're doing? Because we're, we're both talking about, you know, we have these separate businesses that we run. We have personal brands that we want to allow to flourish as well as this combined effort of being boss and then all the things that it can do for us as well. So, um, it's just, it, it can be hugely overwhelming being in this place where you are your own boss and you have say over the next projects that you take and our creative minds go crazy with all the opportunities. Um, and I, I find that like really invigorating and, and happy making <laughs> because that sort of freedom is, it's probably why all four of us are doing what we do. This idea where we can, we can act on, on any will whim, though we should be careful. <laughs> and, um, and we have the opportunity to just sort of go and do the next project and make big ideas, bigger ideas, or learn from the big ideas that turn into crappy ideas. Um, because it is all just sort of like this step-by-step process of seeing what happens. And like we always say, we don't have this figured out, but we are enjoying the hell out of the process. Well, and I think that my thing is that I'm always straddling the line between anxiety and anticipation. And on good days, I anticipate what's next. I can't wait for the next project. And on my not so good days, I'm like, oh my God, what's next? You know, freaking out and I have anxiety over it. So um, I don't know. It's just interesting to note that there is a fine line between anticipation and anxiety. And it's all the things that we talk about on being boss that help you stay in the anticipation mindset versus the anxiety mindset. And I just need to do that for myself. Um, one thing I wanted to mention also, speaking of a word and values, one word that I came up with a few years ago at New Year's was wabi-sabi. And it's actually a word that um, my best friend introduced to me. And it is the Japanese aesthetic of impermanence and imperfection and um but okay so some of the concepts behind wabi-sabi you can't are, read your notes in your cave kathleen <laughs> but the idea is that like nothing lasts nothing is forever nothing is finished and nothing is permanent and so i think creating without um worrying about the outcome but also not being attached to perfection um, it's going to be huge for me in 2016. Hey bosses, did you have a case of FOMO? That stands for the fear of missing out. When you saw all the Being Boss magic go down for our Being Boss vacation in New Orleans? Fear not friends, because we are planning another boss vacation this spring in Miami! Miami. <laughs> So it was really hard to figure out what location to go to, but we've never been to Miami. And the reason why we do these boss vacations is to cultivate our creative pack, see different parts of the world, get some face time with each other, connect with each other, and live the boss life. So to learn more details about this boss vacation, just go to lovebeingboss.com slash Miami. We hope to see you there. But okay, I have a couple more questions for you guys. 
about creating and diversifying. But first, I want to know what what really sucked in 2015. Do you want to go first, Jason? Uh, I need to look. I literally have this document open because... Uh, I should have made something like that. <laughs> well, so I just have this... I feel like I it's have a pop this, quiz. No, I have this sheet <laughs> that I can like keep track of all of where all my different income comes from. I don't know. It, so I have an interesting response to this in that how do you define what sucks? And I think part of that for me is hard to say that something sucked, especially where I am now, because... I go into things with such low expectations because I don't want to have the anxiety, the anticipation. And I really try and hedge my bets on every project I start, knowing that something is going to do well enough that it covers what I'm doing. You know, I mean, I think, uh, like, let's take Tea Tree, for example. So Tea Tree is an online learning platform that I started with a co-founder um, over a year ago. And it has yet to make us, like, $10,000 recurring revenue. Truthfully, it makes us like $1,000 recurring revenue every month. And I know that I don't have the time to invest in that to build it to that that amount. But I also told myself when I started, this is a side project. This is something that I did to solve a problem of my own. And then I said, let's make it a little bit bigger for other people who might want to solve the same problem. And I'm not putting the pressure on myself that this has to be like all the other online course platforms or all the other SaaS products that make X amount of monthly recurring revenue. And I have to like compete with people on that. I just enjoy making it the way that it is. So you could say that it's unsuccessful if $1,000 a month doesn't seem like a lot of money to you. But I look at it as a success because what I set out for it to do, it has done. Now, is there a lot of other opportunities that I could do with it? Sure. But it's not the thing that excites me the most every day. So I'm not going to spend all my time on it. I'm just going to do enough that it keeps my co-founder happy and that keeps our customers happy. I don't, it, it's it's not like it can't happen, but it's almost like I've done the research, I've done the customer validation, I've pre-sold things, so I don't even get to a point where something is going to go wrong anymore. I mean, a couple of years ago, sure, because I didn't know what I was doing, but now I really follow like minimum viable product, product validation stuff with any idea, any crazy idea, any small idea, just to make sure that it's worth what I'm doing. Um, and again, like I just, I don't put a lot of pressure on any of these projects. So even if something doesn't make a lot of money, that's not necessarily the outcome for me. The outcome was I want to learn a skill. So I'm going to do this project. I would like to rephrase. <laughs> what have you done this year that you learned the most from? Mm, I think, I think I would have to say by my future only because it was such a big project. It had a lot of moving parts, something that no one has ever done before. And I did more writing and research in that project than I've done ever before. And I think I just really learned the power of talking to actual customers, like having actual conversations on the phone, not emails, not surveys, not anything else, and listening to them and seeing what they say and not just trying to like push an agenda on them, but to go, okay, here's what I want to do with this project. I presented that. Now re respond, like reply, like, what are you afraid of? What do you, what stands out to you? What do you want to know? And the things that people said were the things that helped shape what that opportunity became. The fact that there's a community for Buy My Future only exists because people mentioned it multiple times on the phone calls. The fact that there was a payment plan option only exists because people mentioned that. Um, the fact that I wrote about it every day for two months leading up to the project, sharing every detail that I could think of, was a big selling point for like 30 people. The project costs $1,000. So me writing about it every day made me at least $30,000. So there's a lot of things that I learned that just 
I had ideas for, and because I tried them, I could see direct outcomes from them. And so I think that project, because of its size and scope, and it was a kind of a big leap for someone to try, working out is, it, you know, had a profound impact for me. Awesome. What about you, Paul? What did you learn the most from? Or what sucked. Or what sucked. <laughs> so, well, I guess the, the what sucked was attention because... I don't know. I feel like I'm a. I tell people that I'm like cilantro. You either really, really like me or think I'm the worst thing that shouldn't exist in the world. So the more attention that I get, some of it's really good, some of it's bad. Today I found I was like, holy shit! There's like 60 people concurrently on my website at one time, and then I looked, and it was like there's a whole message board of like tons of people just bashing me. So I'm like, okay, well that kind of sucks. So things like that kind of suck. But it's like those people aren't going to buy anything from me and I'm going to be upset about it for today. Tomorrow I'll find something else to be upset about or be happy about, I guess, because not everything in life is bad. But (laughs) um, the learning thing is, for me, it's the keeping at things that I, I have launched. So typically I'm like the consummate artist brain. So it's like I launch something and I don't like it. It's like I press publish and then it's like okay I, this is the worst thing ever so I realized that if I can just kind of push past that a little bit and kind of keep at the things that I launch they can do better it's like with creative class I launched and it did fairly well and then I kept at it and then it did even better and then I had better months than launch months like six months after launching it because I stuck at it so I think that's probably the biggest lesson for me this year is that it's not just enough to work at the pre-launch and the validation and the, all of that and getting it out there and then letting it die a slow death because you're not paying attention to it. It's like, okay, you can launch it and then relaunch it and then relaunch it. And then re- I think I had like five or six launches of creative class this year and I kind of kept at it and it's kind of paid off for me because people, it like it keeps building. They're like, oh yeah, it's creative class. Yeah, creative class. I hear Paul talking about or other people talking about creative class again. So I think that for me has been the biggest thing. It's the, it's the keeping at things after they've been launched the first time. So that's my question for you guys, because you are a little bit more diversified. So just to be clear, Emily and I both have our businesses, so Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. And we have a couple of products and services with those things. And then Being Boss was the big side project for us. That was enough for me. And in fact, my biggest failure in 2015 was agreeing to do a couple of projects that weren't aligned with my core purpose or my core values. Um, Being kind of this personal branding and being who you are 100% of the time, I was starting to look to really uh, become almost like a portfolio entrepreneur and do a few different things, get my hands in a couple different pies. And I ended up, I think, disappointing myself and the people that I was working with on those projects because I couldn't see them through. So um, those were my really big failures for 2015. But what I really learned from it is that I have to be all in on a project in order to make it work. So being all in on braid and being all in on being boss, even that almost makes me feel a little spread thin. So how do you guys keep from, how do you balance kind of that being all in versus um, diversifying? Like, do you kind of let something launch and see what starts to stick and gain traction or how do you, how do you manage that? For me, I'm all in for amounts of time. So like 
if I'm doing like there's I'll go two or three months without doing anything with creative class, but then for two weeks I'll be all in with creative class kind of thing. The only things that I'm all in consistently for is my newsletter. Like that's the one I'm always going to write now, although right now I'm on a break, but when, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> but so, whatever, all in all the time, all in all the time, <laughs> except when I'm not all in, but yeah, so I'm all in for that, but then everything else I'm all in for like half a day here or like two weeks straight here. And so I can kind of balance it out a bit and have a couple things, but I never have more than like a handful of things on the go at any given time. Even with the podcast that Jason and I have, we're all in for a couple weeks to record 12 episodes. Then we give that to our engineer. Then we don't even think about the podcast for like six months, eight months kind of thing. So I go all in and hyper-focus and then, move on to something else and then move on to something else. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I think the the only difference for me is that I, I know that I'm very good at structuring my time. So, and because I'm kind of juggling a couple more things than most people would, I kind of have to say when I'm feeling like I'm in the zone on this project, even if I had other things scheduled, I have to move them. And so instead of just saying like, let me stay focused and let me get this thing done, I actually take the time to say, well, let me block out other time that I, you know, didn't have blocked out. And, and like Google Calendar is my saving grace, well, Sunrise. But um, I wouldn't be able to get anything done without that because I block off chunks of time for everything, for going to the grocery store, for taking breaks, for writing, for working on projects. And then I move that time around depending on how I'm feeling. You know, a lot of times I want to get my newsletter just like Paul written it weeks in advance. But I just I start writing it and I can't sit down to get it done. And then my attention gets dragged to something else. But I make sure to replace that time somewhere else in advance so that I'm not just going to go, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore because I didn't want to do it. It's like, no, I have to force myself to get it done at this certain time and blocking out of my calendar does that for me. So I think just being really conscious, again, like Paul was saying, of like listening to yourself, you know, don't force yourself to sit down and just work on something really hard if you don't feel like it's going to get done right because the last thing you want to do is put shit work out into the world and you also don't want to shortchange yourself your customers your brand just because you had a deadline that was arbitrarily set by none other than you you know you kind of made that up as most of us especially entrepreneurs do and then we stick to those things and we force ourselves to work when it's not the right time we're not in the right headspace something else is going on in life some other project is going on um, so it's really about i think reevaluating how much time you're spending and, and where you're spending it Two things quickly. Can you actually juggle, Jason? Because you said juggling a few times. Terrib- Can terrible. Actually- I'm sorry. You I'm a like liar. You like you would be the type of person who could juggle. No though. circus. Like, honestly, no circus tricks here. I'm sorry. I can do a handstand. Does that count? Yeah. And you have actually done a handstand at a talk. This is true. Or no, cartwheel. that was a cartwheel. Cartwheel. Yeah. Yes. All right. I know your life. <laughs> so <laughs> the second thing that I think is really important, which I should have brought up too, which Jason did bring up, is the buffering. So not having, because as creatives, I think we need space to be able to create. So the fact that Jason and I write our newsletters weeks, sometimes a month in advance, we don't feel like, like if I had a deadline, like if I had to write my newsletter for Sunday on Saturday, it would be the shittiest newsletter if it even got out. But the fact that I write it two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance, four weeks in advance, I know that if it's not working right now, I'll go do something else. I can come back to it. I'm still not screwed if it doesn't get done at this specific moment. And I think that is probably the biggest thing for me is the fact that I 
I, if I, the more that I buffer the commitments that I have, the easier it is for those to get done with ease instead of just like under the gun, holy shit, this has to get done. If it's good, bad, doesn't matter. It has to get done. So the thing I'm noticing here is that um, you guys are really self-motivated to get things done, not under a tight time crunch. And I find that a lot of creatives, myself included, sometimes it takes the deadline to really get stuff done. So I just think that that's interesting. So I'm actually going to take this again into my 2016 resolution to be more like Paul and Jason and be a little bit more self-motivated to get things done without a really tight deadline um, with a gun to my head. So, <laughs> Emily. I, I, I don't I, I think I'm like the exact opposite of that too. Like I write my newsletter the morning that it goes yeah. out <laughs> every week. And, um, and like, I don't know, whenever Kathleen and I are launching things, like I'll pull a deadline up two weeks more than a normal person probably would just because I know if I have a tight deadline, it's going to get done. So, um, that's funny. Maybe I I think I it's finding like you had to figure you you two had to figure that out, right? Like yeah. with the way that you work. Oh yeah. If, so I think if that's I important. Try to sit down and write a newsletter ahead of time. It's not coming out of me. Like I've certainly discovered in trying to plan better and to like get these things done better that um, that if I try to write it ahead of time, it's just unless it's some sort of crazy divine intervention it's not happening um but if I can wake up the morning of bright and early sit down at my desk write a badass newsletter it's gonna be on point <laughs> and then it's like you're so excited about writing it that you want to hit publish right away yes that's how so I that's feel funny. about my newsletters but I don't, I'm not as consistent as Paul Jarvis is with his newsletter so 2016 we all have to find what works for us so like you guys you guys get shit done and you're the total opposite <laughs> yeah so right. I think it's not a matter of like oh well I have to do what Paul Jarvis says uh, no I do have to do like... what Paul Jarvis says <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make t-shirts I'll send them out what would Paul Jarvis do <laughs> Well, I think the the writing thing is interesting, though, because I was never a writer before two years ago, and it was always so hard for me to sit down and write anything. I mean, I really felt like I'm forcing myself to stare at my keys on my laptop, blank cursor syndrome, like just, just blinking cursor syndrome, and I just couldn't get anything done. And through the process, and I wrote about this, of writing basically like a million words in two years, that in itself gave me the habits, it gave me the permission to not put so much pressure on my writing, and that now I write so much stuff that it just I, I just it comes out of me now. I sit down and I can just start writing about anything. If anybody gives me a topic at all, I can churn out 1,500 to 2,000 words in an hour without any problem whatsoever. But it's taken a year. It's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of throwing away of the writing that wasn't any good. And I'd say 90% of my writing is maybe 95% of my writing is crap. Some might say 99% of my writing is crap. But I do enough of it that 1% of it or 2% or 5% is actually really good stuff. And that's all you need. You don't need all of it to be perfect. You don't need all of it to be great. And I think that's another thing that as entrepreneurs, as creatives, we put so much pressure on ourselves for like one thing to be amazing or our next thing to be the best thing that we've ever done. That's not important. It's just important that it meets whatever value you have for whatever that thing is that you're trying to do. And then you move forward and you let go of it and you move on to the next thing and you don't think about the pressure. And so I think just like habits, 
you know, doing more iteration. Uh, Emily, like you were saying, if you've tried to do things weeks in advance and it doesn't work, great. At least you're testing and iterating. You're finding a process that works for you. Most people don't even do that. They just sit down and try it once and then they give up and then they're like, I can't write. Well, no, you just can't write in the way that you tried that one time. Try 10 other ways to write, see which one fits for you, then keep doing that. Or what I found, and I've done this myself, is uh, I see I see this especially with fine artists and writers. They talk about how much they want to write and how much they want to create fine art. And they're talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and never actually doing it. So if you took some of the time that you're like talking about creating and some of that anxiety and that energy and put it into actually doing, you would get some stuff done. So for me, the battle is really just showing up and I've just started writing in my personal blog again, and I'm really excited to do that. But I've, my, my writing muscle has atrophied whenever it comes to personal writing. And so I'm kind of having to exercise that again. So we should do a whole episode on just writing because I think it's something that is so valuable for all creatives, even if you're not technically a writer. Um, it's just a great exercise in kind of figuring out who you are and who you want to be. One of the characteristics of a boss is that you get paid to do what you love. And if you're in the biz of having clients pay you for meetings, whether you're a coach or a service provider, or just don't want to have another free consultation for a potential client, getting paid for your time is what it's all about. Our pals at Acuity Scheduling can not only help you get paid to do what you love, but can connect the steps of booking and invoicing to save you time. Take payments for your meetings at the time of booking so they can get on your calendar and put money in your virtual wallet in one place and all at the same time. Take payments directly, or Acuity will also hook up with that savvy tech over at FreshBooks to make invoicing and scheduling easier than ever. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Sign up for a free 60-day trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Now let's get back at it. Is there anything else that you guys want to say about 2015, wrapping it up, going into 2016? I can't think of anything else. Paul, I would say the only thing maybe we could bring up is finish your damn book because I think that's a great illustration of we kind of thought that project was dead in the water and then... Yeah, true. Yeah, so Jason and I launched a course called Finish Your Damn Book. I'm just going to take the reins from you right now. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're (laughs) muted anyway, so whatever. (laughs) But yeah, so we created a course, Finish Your Damn Book, to help people get to the end of writing a book, which is the best part. And we launched it, and it didn't do super well. Like, we sold some, not a ton of courses. Jason's gone now. He doesn't even want to hear me talk about this. <laughs> I'm sure he'll join again. There he is. But so, yeah, we created a course um, called Finish Your Damn Book. We launched it to our audiences. Didn't do super well. So we were like, okay, what can we do with this course? Because we felt like this is a good course. It just it didn't work out for our audience in the way that we launched it. So we pitched it to a few of our friends that run things like um, AppSumo and a few sites like that. And then we put the course on there, and then it just went, like, nuts. 
and it did as well as some of our good launches. And this was a product that we thought was dead in the water. We pulled out all of the tricks that we knew to get a course out there. Didn't work. So we just tried something different, and then it did work. And if we had just kind of left it at that, if we had left it at, well, this course, we launched it to our audience, and it didn't do really good, then maybe we'll just leave it at that. Then we wouldn't have made the money that we made. We wouldn't have, like, the hundreds and I don't even know how many students are in the course. There's, like, maybe 1,000, maybe 2,000 students in the course now. Like, it's just ridiculous how many people have signed up for this course. And if we hadn't tried different things, because I think a lot of creators put all of this work into making something, then they try to launch it one time. And they'll spend like 100 hours making something. And then they'll send out one email and one tweet or one Facebook if you're into that. And then if it doesn't work out, then like, well, I tried. It's like, no, you didn't try. You did one thing at one instance in time and it didn't work out. Maybe spend as much time as you spent creating it trying to get it out there and trying to do something with it. And we, yeah, we definitely, that was a good point, Jason. We definitely learned that this year is that if something doesn't work the first time, you can try to launch it in a different way to a different audience or partner with other people to try to get it out there. And then maybe it will work really, really well. I have a metaphor that I want to share. So I've started boxing. I've been boxing since April and I suck at boxing. Like I'm terrible at it, but I'm proud of myself for just showing up every single day. Right. And so I've started sparring and the coaches have noticed that I suck at boxing, but I have really long arms. So what they told me to do is to kind of stand. I'm trying not to like back away from my mic to show you guys like how I box. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> So anyway, they told me to stand further away from my opponent because I have long arms and just to jab at them. So it's really just annoy the shit out of my opponent by jab, 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 and um, just wear them out. And so I think that's kind of how how launching and continuing to promote is. And now that I'm saying this, I'm like, oh my God, Gary Vanderchuk has that book, Jab, 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 Cross. <laughs> Right hook, honey. It's right hook. Oh, sorry. Right hook. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a new metaphor, but um, but it makes sense here. So that's it. I think you could take Gary V. Just FYI, like maybe Ooh. 2016, you box Gary V. and you just crush him. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I, are you ready? <laughs> I, I'm down for that. I'll be front row. Um, I I love. How also, though, you guys are saying that one of the things, you know, that really kind of sucked for you guys was this this course launch, but it ended up being something that was really fantastic. And I feel like a lot of times, like especially creatives who put all of their like soul and emotions and all the things into the work that they're doing, whenever they get that first like thumbs down and however the universe gives it to them, they're done. And how, you know, if you take your ego out of it and just do a bit more work, sometimes that's all that needs to be done to make something that would be a thumb down into two thumbs up. <laughs> I've actually got a review that was just the emoji thumbs down <laughs> for something I made. <laughs> Which that's I thought was horrible. the best. I kind of wanted to print that email out and just like stick it up on the wall. It is, it's pretty funny. Oh, some people... No words. Can we talk about haters for a second? Sure. I mean, Paul, I've seen you 
write about haters. And then today you mentioned it, like getting some attention from an online forum. And the same thing has happened to me. Actually, one of the first times I got a ton of traffic, I was like, whoa. And then I noticed it was from a very toxic website where there was an entire forum dedicated to hating me. So it really super hurt my feelings. Um, But I saw a bumper sticker on a truck the other day that said, have you ever met a hater doing better than you? Right. Not so much. Yeah. Not so much thumbs down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's just the the way that the world and the internet works is that people can't, it's like what Brene Brown says. It's like the person in the ring is the only, per- the person that actually gets in the ring is the only person that fucking matters. All the other people that just sit in the stands, eh, if, if they're going to criticize, then eh. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put them I, I, in the ring. Brene Brown's a bit more eloquent than <laughs> But you know, it's interesting because whenever it comes to the critics, it's hard to know when to stick up for yourself, when to ignore it, when to mm-hmm. um, actually take some of the criticism to heart. It, it's just a complicated thing. And maybe there should be a whole topic on haters, though I don't want to give haters that much attention. But yeah. I, I think it's just... It's interesting. It, it's I I, th- I still think it's something that needs to be discussed, and not even in terms of like giving the haters any sort of space, um, but just helping people who have a harder time dealing with it than we do. Because I feel like I mean we've been in this enough. And Kathleen, think about the first time. I remember the first time that you that that happened to you. I remember talking to you after that event, and like you were so heartbroken and pissed off. And like, I don't know, I think if we can be the people who can help talk people off the ledge, in a sense, um, from, you know, quitting their creative endeavor or whatever, because some assholes decide to say some shit that doesn't matter, then, um, then high five, I'm fine with doing that. But you know, what's even worse, too, is, um, I think the inner critic. And so I know that haters get to me the most whenever it's something I've thought about myself. And then they just kind of like jab the wound a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, are they validating my worst thought about myself? Is this true? Um, so that's also what I would like to touch on whenever it comes to haters, because I know the inner critic doesn't have a place whenever it comes to being creative. And so, again, back to goals for 2016 is to just create without drama. From inside or outside. Agreed. I like that one. I may adopt in a way. I think I think one of the things that I want to focus on this year is balance. So like I love the for me this year has been one about solidifying my business both indie as well as like creating being boss into something that you know is something that I see myself doing for a long time. But also building a life that I've kind of been ignoring because I've been too busy growing businesses. <laughs> so for me, it's it's balancing life and work, which is something we talk about a lot, but also balancing the work that I do, splitting my time between indie and being boss and going where my energy needs me to go. Um, and just being mindful of all of that. I know that like entrepreneurs in general struggle with balance endlessly. Like most of the emails in my inbox that are replies to like questionnaires and things, it's balance it's balancing life and work um that that is such a huge struggle so um I think for me it's it's balance and 
one of those things I think is balancing like what I read about myself online (laughs) and being okay with not reading those things. Um, I don't know. I think that's one of the things that I want to focus on is all around life and work balance. One of the things that I had written down um, in my notes was this concept of narrowing in and expanding out. Um, And it is kind of like the ocean, right? And you have tides and you have big waves and you have calm waves and you have completely still oceans sometimes. So um, I kind of like to think of balance in that way a little bit, that there, there are times to expand and there are times to contract and, for me, I always want to just be expanding and going and doing and making, but there is a certain amount of um, validity to be said for like kind of contracting in. So I guess that's what I would like to find balance around is like finding that rhythm, I guess. That's why I force myself to kind of go off the grid for November and December because I would just do that. I would just be go, go, go. But so I'm taking a break from social, taking a break from writing newsletters, not doing any interviews. Although I guess I'm doing this, but I said that I would do this. But this is this is like it for two months, whereas typically it's like an interview every day or an interview every other day. So I force myself to like get to that contraction because it's important, I think. And if I didn't like schedule it, it wouldn't happen. Just like Jason scheduling going to the grocery store. It's like sometimes you need to schedule the things you don't need to, you don't think you need to schedule. Because a lot of these things are important. It's just not like a call with somebody else. If you make yourself important, then you can put yourself in your calendar and then not feel guilty that you're putting yourself in your calendar for doing things like taking a break or getting groceries or going for a walk or that sort of thing. Do you ever get fear of missing out whenever you take a break? No. I was so happy. Like the Whatever day that I stopped social, I was like this is the best ever. It's like, I don't even know if, and then I always get that feeling. And Jason, I've talked about this on our podcast a lot. I think we did like a couple episodes on social media and sabbaticals. It's like when I'm not online on social media, it's like, I never want to come back. And then it's like, Oh, I kind of said I would, I guess my business is maybe helped because I'm on social media. I don't think it is, but maybe it is. So I don't know. No, I was like, I guess last Wednesday was the day that I stopped going on Twitter for a couple months. I was like, this is the best. Yeah, I think, I don't know, balance for me is such an interesting thing because there's just, we're so connected, right? Like everything is so connected, like our especially as creative and entrepreneurial people, you feel like you need every social account. You feel like you need to be sending a newsletter every week. You feel like you need to be doing every interview you can. And I think there's a time and a place for some of that when you're getting started. You know, I think that's the one thing that I've heard from a lot of people who reply to a lot of my newsletters is, well, it's easy for you because you are who you are. You're where you are now. I'm like, yeah, but I also had years where I struggled. I had, you know, it's like the classic, like overnight success. Like it only took me 20 years to become an overnight success, whatever. It's, really interesting for me to listen to people complain about these things, but not be willing to make sacrifices, not be willing to sacrifice watching TV or getting off of Twitter and seeing what happens or Facebook, more so Facebook. I think people are just like ridiculously addicted to Facebook and people aren't willing to make those sacrifices. Then you don't deserve the results. And I think that that's the big thing that I realized is that I deserve the results because I'm always willing to make the sacrifices for the balance in my life, for the success that I have, for, you know, the not having, I don't miss out on anything. Like, I, you know, it's like 
I think the only thing, truthfully and honestly, I think the only thing that I have fear of missing out on is my Instagram feed. And it's only because it's such a positive place for me. There's never any political rants. No one's ever sending like terrible photos of awful things. It's Paul's owl that's in his backyard. It's Kathleen's amazing hair. You know, it's like, it's all these things that I really enjoy looking at. Like I truthfully, so maybe I do have fear of missing out on that. I'll get over it, right? I can always go back and look at those photos later on in life, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because I, I've kind of aligned everything else in my life to work. I want to know, or how do we want to do this, Kathleen? Do we want to go a goal or a mantra? Let's do a mantra. Since we've all, right. all decided that the word thing, values, is a good thing to chase in 2016. Sure. So mine... I've decided is balance. I'm going to go for balance in work and life and what I'm working on and what I'm doing in my life and all the things in between. I think 2016 for me is the year of balance. Who is next? I'll go. Mm. Mine is Wabi Sabi. Nothing lasts. Nothing is finished. Nothing is permanent. And applying that to how I create and how I live. And yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to enjoy the process and kind of wabi-sabi my way through it. High five. I'm glad to wabi-sabi your way through it with you. <laughs> I'm going to go with wasabi. So 2016 is a year of just eating things covered in wasabi. Uh, that sorry, sounds I had delicious. To. And I'm sure people, people listening at home are like, is someone going to do this? Like, waiting for it. Um yeah, I I don't know. Even even doing this, you know, this chat with you guys for the past hour ish, there's nothing that immediately jumps to mind. But the one thing that I have said that I want to do more is to give back more. And you know, I think I give a lot in just the replying to emails and trying to help people and the articles and all that stuff. But that's not like a tangible thing that makes an impact. And you know, like Paul and I, with every project that we do, we donate five to ten percent of the income to this rat rescue that's in uh, Ottawa. And I think I just would like to do more. Uh, my girlfriend Caroline and I have talked about doing like twenty percent of our income to be donated to organizations where it can actually make an impact. You know, like donating that to Red Cross. Okay, I'm glad to help out with these big disasters, but I actually want to like see a tangible impact with my dollars because I don't make enough that I can like, you know, Bill Gates, somebody, um, it's much smaller than that. And, but I would like to help the people who a couple thousand bucks here and there can make such an incredible impact. So maybe the year of 2016 is the year of, of giving back for me for the first time in a, like I'm focused on it. You know, like I'm, I'm really setting the goal of, Ooh, there's a goal. Uh Oh, Paul is that, you know, 20% of my income for the year of 2016, I'm going to try and give back. And that doesn't need to be public. What are, where it goes or whatever. It's more for me and for, you know, our family and what we do. Um, but yeah, I think that would be something that I'm, I want to do more of, and it, it does scare me to do that because it's 20% of my income. It's a good amount of money. Um, but I think that it, it could do more for other people than it could for me, and that's something that a lot of us don't think about, not saying us on this thing, but just in general as a society. Um, I'm looping everybody in on that one. Hey, I think that, okay, two points on giving back. One, budget it in, like put it in your mint. So that's something that my husband and I do. We have kind of our giving back fund. So if it's low for the month and we haven't fulfilled that. Like we know that we have X amount of dollars to give back Two um, is I'm pretty sure it was Jessica Hish did a project that was something around like 52 weeks of giving. 
And it's every week a different charity that she's kind of giving to. So I'll have to look into that. If I can find it, I'll include it in the show notes. But I thought it was really fascinating. I like the idea of diversifying my giving back. Um, though right now I want to give everything I have to Planned Parenthood for 2016, just because they need as much help and support as they can get. Um, anyway, so giving back, um, I love that. Yeah, giving back is huge. Whenever, whenever we built toolkits, like in, in the idea of, of structuring a way to do it, whenever Indie Shopography launched toolkits, we structured that into like the price of it is that 25% of all toolkit subscriptions go to go to nonprofits. Um, and and we've done tons of research on smaller organizations where it counts. So if we need to chat it out, let me know. Cool. Thank you. All right, Paul, you're on the hot seat. Oh, shit. I think for <laughs> me, it's just more of the it's like it has to be a fuck yes or a hell no. And I feel like I got really, really good at that with doing client work with people. And then I moved more into products and it's like, oh, products are new. I can't. And it's this thing that's this like this bad word of opportunity. It's like, this could be an opportunity. FOMO. I gotta, I, maybe I should say yes to this. And it's like, uh, it's, yeah. It's FOMO. This is FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> Wait, what? What's FOMO? Fear of missing out on opportunities. Many of us. Oh. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so I just need to focus more on the things that I 100% want to do and just like opportunity. There other opportunities are going to come up or everything that I've ever thought in my entire life is going to be like this make or break opportunity has been not has done absolutely nothing for me. So I think I just need to keep reminding myself of that moving forward in the direction that I want to go is that there isn't just one opportunity. If that was everybody's life, then it would suck. Opportunities, there's like compounded a gazillion little things that can happen to build up to something good. It's not just like, oh, one thing changed. It's like Oprah doesn't even have a TV show anymore. So it's not like going on Oprah. Not like that would be my goal anyways. Yeah, she has an entire network now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I, yeah, if it didn't make sense, if Oprah was like, hey, Paul, you want to come Super on? Super Soul Sunday? I don't know if she's a podcast. Yeah, that, I'd be like, I don't know, because I would need to see first if that would, if that would be something that I would want to do, and not just for the opportunity, but for something more. It can't just be the opportunity. It has to be more than that opportunity. So, um, Martha Beck, who is a life coach, like she's the life coach of all life coaches. She's amazing. And I did my training through her. She's doing this thing right now called the integrity cleanse. And it is kind of that hell no or fuck yes. But how do you get to the place where you kind of know how to listen to those feelings? It's kind of like being able to listen to your body, but if your body's telling you to eat cupcakes and wine, like your body's deceiving you. So, um, or no, maybe not, but, uh, wait, is there a problem with cupcakes? <laughs> Let's just back up once, <laughs> you know? So anyway, she actually used Oprah as an example. A friend of mine just went out, who's going through the training, went out to this big Martha Beck meet and greet. And Martha Beck was saying, yeah, I had an opportunity to go to one of Oprah's parties this weekend and I had to ask myself, do I really want to do it? And she and her Oprah are friends. They like each other, but she didn't want to go. Like she didn't want to get on the plane. She didn't feel like socializing. So she said no. And not many people say no to Oprah. 
or maybe they do. I don't know. So it is this idea of like integrity cleansing. And I was so inspired by that story too. So I'm with you, Paul. I want to be able to kind of really be able to identify the fuck yeses. So speaking of a fuck yes, I want to briefly touch on the fact that the four of us are going to be collaborating on a project. I, <laughs> uh, I guess we might be talking about it more on a very special Invisible Office Hour podcast episode. Now you guys are committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> legally binding but uh stay tuned because we are planning that out as we speak i don't know how much really i should share it's going to be around the topic of podcasting we know that for sure so stay tuned um join all of our newsletters to stay tuned on what is going to happen there and we'll be sure to keep you guys updated but i think we're all pretty excited i know i am so we're gonna try. That was an instant. That was an instant. <laughs> fuck yes, because it's like it is an opportunity to work with the boss ladies, obviously, but it's more than that. Like I, I honestly, I want to do a project with you guys, and I think it would be something that would be super valuable to all of our audiences. So that was the more than just the opportunity of of of, of doing something with the boss ladies. It's like boss ladies. They <laughs> work <all> the <laughs> wow. So I, um, I'm super excited about it too, because I think it's a project where I'm going to be able to really focus on the process more than the outcome. Like I'm not worried about making a ton of money off of it. I'm not worried about hitting a certain amount of numbers. I'm just really excited about working with you guys on a project. So I think it's going to be awesome. Anyway, let's wrap this gig up. Is, has everyone said their piece for 2015 and 2016? Uh, I think so. Happy New Year's, guys. And and Paul, Happy New Year. Ooh, that hey. one's just for you. Them <laughs> <laughs> <Never> are fighting words. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Did you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. We have a little team building exercise for our sound engineer. Do you guys remember this? Okay, so here's what we do. It's like doing the SATs for podcasters. So I'm going to say one. Emily's going to say two. Jason's going to say three. Paul's going to say four. And we're going to keep going around in a circle. We usually go to seven, but I think with four people, we should go to 12. All right, one. Two, three, four, five, six, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, thirteen. It should end on me. <laughs> How is it three, seven, and eleven? <laughs>
doesn't make sense in my brain. Oh man. Well, we may have fucked have that up. That. Sorry, Corey. You just you're gonna get what you get. Yeah, this is gonna have so many bloopers I can only imagine. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. So Emily, I have an agenda in our Evernote. Mm. Um Paul, I have an agenda in my mind for you. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. Thank Good. you. Good. All right, so Emily, I just want to go into it. I was inspired, of course, by Paul and Jason and their podcast. And then I was actually listening to our podcast, and it takes like five minutes to it's get hefty. into it. It's hefty. <laughs> so you gotta really want to uh, listen to us, jump- basically. <laughs> it's how we weed out the non-believers. That's a good. It sounds like you're doing it right. Yep. <laughs> 